Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. Uh, I am announcing a new format. It's a small, a small format change to the 20 minutes um, to 30, maybe plus minutes and more topical driven and more question oriented. And so I put together a curated uh, guest list of people that I wanted to have on. And the top of my list was my guest today, Todd Lehman. Todd and I met through Jacob Nordby. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Several years ago, we got to hang out in Austin back when you went places. And yeah. uh, <laughs> Todd, uh, it's funny because, you know, I asked you before we hit record, what is your, what title? And I, I think, it, so what I said, let's just say you're labelless. And I think that's an interesting place to start when, when, when you're a creative, I'll put, I'll put that on you. I don't think that's a label as much as it is kind of a spiritual archetype. When you're a creative, it seems like all of the systems and business in particular are set up to like niche you in a certain rigid path. And I'm curious about that as a kind of an interest in, in kind of an in, uh, initial conversation around how do you, how, how you operated in generated revenue and created connection in the world by, by being a, a multi hyphen marketer. You know, how did you do that? It's an interesting question and it's a complicated question, but I think that it's, it's a little bit over time because I, you certainly start out kind of in a lane and I was in PR and then I got interested in, you know, the whole internet thing started and I was, I got, I got in a startup there creating content and, and then, and then personal TV and TiVo started and I went there and I was building out sort of more, more programming and, and additional content. And before long, you sort of find this lane of my skill set being um, just connection. And so here's, here's a brand or a message that has to connect to an audience. And I became really good at not only coming up with that message, but what that bridges to the audience and whether it was an event or building a website or producing a podcast or creating a TV show or all of these different things. It's a little bit of trial by fire, but it's also just my skill set is connect, like is my goal is to connect. And that's all I ever really want to do is connect people, whether it's to, to ourselves, to each other, to the, to the greater universe, to the environment, or, you know, oftentimes, obviously what pays the bills is a brand saying, Hey, we need to connect to our audience. And so where I always started was at this kind of real, and you know, all about this, this really human, emotional, authentic and the real meaning of the world, not the word, not the marketing meaning that's been all dialed or diluted as we do. Um, and we're now doing with purpose and story and ruining those great words too. And so for me, it was like, look, like what is the most, the lowest common denominator, meaning that the, the gross truth for for message A to connect with audience A. And, and sometimes 
audience A is ourselves and how do we connect with our heart and our soul and our, you know, all of that, which is your life's work. And so um, I just became so dedicated to this idea of building bridges and connecting that you pick up the ability to write a press release and understand how PR plays into that. You understand how an event plays into that. You understand how a digital content plays into that. Um, and the biggest struggle for me is, is how everything has gotten sort of away from, or did start to get away from that heart-based truth and, and, and into the numbers. Well, the numbers are showing that this isn't connecting and it's like, fuck, killing me. Yes. But, so I, I, so I got away from that for a long time and I, and, and, but I'm very much back into that space wholly and it feels really good. And I know that it will attract the right kind of people and the right kind of brands and the right kind of projects. Right. It's, and it's interesting me, to me too, is um, the relationship a brand has with the marketplace is not that dissimilar from friendships or intimate relationships. I mean, from a neurological standpoint and, Correct. You know, there, we, we have a, a thing at Root and River we do, which is an hour, like laser focus. We call it brand therapy sessions. It's one hour with us. And, and, and the idea there is that there is a relationship and the, the relationships run on chemistry, connection and curiosity. It seems like. And when, when a brand or, or an organization doesn't have someone like you that is, labelless and multidimensional with this motivation of connecting or making things connect, I feel like it becomes very um, almost like suburban marriages. You know, they're very transactional, uh, very like not all of them, but you know, it's, it's kind of that classic transactional uh, utilitarian view of humanity, which I think is demoralizing and very like exhausting from a branding standpoint to constantly see your audience as a group of people waiting to be exploited you know yeah so well and, and it, it, you know the funny thing is is you you talk to most people in marketing or a lot of people in marketing you talk to a lot of customers and you talk to a lot of marketers and you know what brand is the you know the the, the at the pinnacle like what would you want to be and they all come back to patagonia and patagonia doesn't do exactly what you just you they're the least suburban marriage brand of all yes. they do it completely differently and you know they go against the, what would be considered the norms and they they stay true to their belief and their hearts and their their soul and and that allows them to be more and you can't just be patagonia right. because it requires it requires that soul throughout the entirety of the organization and it's it's why good sports teams work because everyone buys into a system and buys into a philosophy and buys into a way of playing together and all these great organizations they're buying into the relationship mm -hmm. and and when you see your customer as part of the organization and part of the relationship and part of that teamwork that makes the thing work you're far more you're, you're far better off and able to create those kinds of real connections because it genuinely is two-way 
And I think, I think a lot of times we get stuck in this brand thing now where it's still, it's still thought of as this very much a one-way thing. And it's, and it's not only multidimensional, but it's one-to-one, right? Because there's so much social media now, your brand is only as good as that connection with that particular customer. And it's, it's just repeating it over and it's not necessarily repeating it, but it's, it's customer after customer customer, until you've developed this thing that is a brand because you've created this experience and this connection for a larger group of people that are now belong and identify as your customer. And, and if you can create a sense of belonging out of customers, holy shit, like that's, like that's, the, that's the sky's the limit, right? Like all of a sudden it's like, well, I really, I, I belong here and this brand, this organization sees me and so to me, that's where this stuff gets really good. And if you can find those organizations that, that move through the world in heart and in soul, the rest takes care of itself right. because they're, you're, not, you're not creating scarcity. I mean, this is, this is Simon Sinek's book, you know, this is the infinite mindset. It's like if you can walk through this in an infinite way where where there is no finish line, there is no competition, mm-hmm. you're not winning. It's like, holy cow, if I can view the world that way, all of a sudden, like we're all in flow together. And, it, it, and it's hard to find the, those kinds of organizations and those kinds of people that you're talking about. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> you and I have talked about this over the years about masculinity's influence on many things and you know there's healthy conscious masculinity and then more unconscious masculinity and what i notice in in our field of you know our our mutual field of branding and marketing is still a very much a a masculine approach to it meaning Hmm. um you know i don't know if these are in any particular order and it's somewhat coincidentally they all start with w but it's will and woo, and win. So will your way, like we're going to drive, drive. It's all this like aggressive language about we're going to will our way to tar- to our, to brand awareness. And then the woo is the sort of semi pickup line, pickup artist, cheesy gaslighter, narcissistic a little bit to some extent. Like the, there's a... I don't know if you know the cartoon uh, Gaping Void. Mm, you know, sure. Hugh, Hugh McLeod. He has a, one of my favorite cartoons of his says if 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 your friends treated you like advertisers, you like advertisers do, they you would punch them in the mouth. Yeah. And that's the woo part. And then there's the win part, which is this like trying to, you know, well, trying to win all the time. And I really think it goes to something that you mentioned before I hit record about moving from chasing to attracting. Yeah. Uh, my language on that is moving from, from um, acquisition to receptivity. Yeah. Uh, and just let the market be you and let the market tell you how you're going to get paid, what people are going to buy. Let the market be your research department. One of my great rants is I hate it when brands focus group, like their mission and their message. Right. Just Fucking say what you want to say and be who you are and let them right. figure it out. Right. Well, and that's, look, Brene Brown talks about how vulnerability is really courageous. 
And the fact that we live in a world where vulnerability is courageous is one of the biggest bummers that I can, I, 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 it, it's such a drag to me, mm-hmm. but it is, it's brave to be vulnerable. It's brave and it's too bad. But what's, what's, what's funny is that we, we, we worship that courage, right? That's why we are all about Brene Brown and Glennon Doyle and Simon Sinek and Patagonia and all of these and, and, and our favorite artists who get up there and say all these things. And we're like, wow, that's so like, holy cow. And, and it, it's so hard to do it, right? Because it's not always rewarded. So, so you, we are operating, and I, I texted this to somebody last night, but we are so trained right now to operate in a state of fear that you have to test your mission statement and your whatever, as opposed to saying, this is our mission, we're going out with it. And, and we're going to attract the right kinds of customers. Now, say what you will about Nike and Colin Kaepernick and all of that kind of stuff. But when they supported him and it was, and they, and, you know, all the, the pundits were like, holy cow, Nike's going to lose this huge, uh, their stock went through the roof and their numbers went through the roof because you do you find the right people now all of a sudden you're attracting the right customer you're finding the people like that brand sees me i want to be part of that i want to support it and when you try too hard to be vanilla and try too hard to manage your message or your your mission statement and your values and all of this to attract the biggest swath of people you don't get them because right now people need to feel like they believe in something. That's right. On whatever side it is. And, and it's like, okay, that, that brand, that organization, those people, that whatever, that political party says what I think. And, mm-hmm. and, and what, what's happened is, and this is, this is you know, kind of the fallout from that, is that we do have just bubble after bubble after bubble after bubble after bubble, and we've lost the ability to have the conversation because we're over curated. Yeah, and the the mechanisms that used to create integration, I think those bubbles have always been there. There were, but there were mechanisms of of integration, like sports, as an example, um, uh, the military, um, you know. Uh, the Peace Corps. Well, you know, like look, there were no there were no social algorithms designed to make sure that we didn't. That's right. You know, and and so so what's happened is, hey, do you like? And this is one of my favorites. Do you like apples or oranges? Oh, I really like oranges. Well, what the fuck is wrong with mangoes? And why don't you like bananas? And it's right. like, Well, no. That's I'm like I was asked if I like. Well, no, I like bananas. Well, that's not what the fuck you said. And and how about kiwi? And like all of a sudden, like there's this yeah. fight happening and. And the, and meanwhile, the the machine in the back is going. Oh, this is rad! Look at all this engagement we're getting. Yeah. And and we've lost we've lost we've we've lost that again back to that truth. And I think what happens is, to your point, how how can we create a message and a and a vision statement that generates the right engagement? So we're back to numbers. And we're and we're away from truth, and we're away from the emotion of it all. And um, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll never forget. I produced a, one of the college basketball events that I produced 
um, we were on college sports TV as opposed to ABC one year and our sponsor went nuts. And I was like, look, you have to understand something. College sports TV is going to, is going to have, even though it's in fewer homes, we're going to be, we're going to get more people watching. And so once the number, so, but, but ABC, I'm like, well, on ABC, we had 800,000 people watch it on, on, on college sports TV. We got 6 million because it replayed and, and, and it's like, but we get attached to this idea that like ABC, like we're just, do, we're just not doing it right. We're not paying attention to the right, the, the right metrics. We're not paying attention to the, the right verticals, the right people. And it's just this, it's, it's frustrating and it can be gaslighting, especially when you understand it. Yes. And there's a, there's a definite, um, sort of low consciousness in our field as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing I noticed the most, and this is why I say what we do at Root and River is we work far more on the marketer than the marketing. Right. The marketing is a commodity. It's a, it's a discipline. It's a system. Um, right. It's the marketer that decides how the, those tools are going to be used. And if that marketer, whatever their role is in the organization, let's say CMO, is detached from themselves, they're detached from everything. Right. They live in an illusory world. And, and then what starts to creep in is the great death of all brands, which is moral relativism mm. or Machiavellian approaches, which is, well, we had, we had to hit our numbers. So we did, this is what we did. And it was, wasn't illegal, but it was unethical, you know, but, right. but we're okay with that. And the more consciousness you have as a marketer, the more you realize that all you really need to do is be who you are and let people connect with you the way they want to be connected. Right. Um, and that, and, well, and, and then when you do that, then there's an, there's actually the neuroscience term of neuro coupling that, which is sure. a fancy word for trust. Um, there's right. a, there's a neuro coupling that happens where because you allowed me to connect with you and see who you are, and you were authentic to use again, a, you know, marketing, marketing ruins everything. It's ruined that word, but you would connect authentically. Now, now it's a relationship and now it follows all the rules of relationships, which is if it's nurtured, it grows. If it's not nurtured, it dies. Well, and I, I think one of the big, one of the big, you know, ch- challenges of, and this is a much deeper discussion, but so often our, 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 we're so unconscious to what our consciousness actually is. And, and our consciousness is being driven by our unconscious. Mm-hmm. And we don't understand, we don't understand, um, you know, how our experiences, our wounds, our traumas, or whatever dictate everything. Yes. And so we don't always know, um, we don't always even know that we're doing what it is that you're, you're talking about doing. And, and so, you know, a really simple example of this for me is that, is that I I grew up, I grew up in a, in a, in a silent treatment house. And so it was, you know, it was used, it was weaponized to a certain extent. Um, And as a result, and I only real, I mean, I've only figured this out recently, but as a result, if I send off a proposal to someone and I don't hear back, 
I start to wig out because this little inner child in me is like, what did I do wrong? I'm getting the silent treatment right now. And I start to, and I would start to negotiate against myself. Hey, I know I said 10 grand a month, but I can do that for, for $150 if that's a better number for you. Like all of a sudden, you know, Hey, you know what? Let me pay you. And, and, and it really was, it really was late last year where all of this came to fruition because I was bidding on a project and it really came, I, I really wanted it so badly that I did get to a point where I was almost paying for it. And I was like, wait a minute, I, I get what's going on here. And I've done all this personal work, but I hadn't quite, I hadn't ever put together what the silence was doing and how badly it, it impacted my work. And I was like, okay, I get this. So if you don't understand that stuff, and, and if you don't understand where you come from um, and where all of this is for you, it's, it, it gets hard when you're the CMO. It gets hard when you're a manager. It gets hard where you're working for someone who doesn't understand that. Or, or if you don't understand yourself, why you're being triggered and responding this different ways. When I speak at USC a couple of times a year, I always tell the kids, I'm like, get into therapy. Like, not yes. because, not because you're doing it from a, a, a state of, of, well, I, I won't even say weakness because I don't think therapy is about weakness at all anyway. It's, it's all strength. It's like just to figure out where your strengths are and go figure out where your triggers are and figure out where your wounds are so that now you don't have to, you're, you're, you're safe in this environment and you can start to make better decisions, take better actions and all of it. Anyway, that's yeah. That's not, but so, so for me, the word consciousness, you know, is a, is a, is an interesting one just because I think so often we don't understand just how unconscious we're moving through sure. the world. Sure. I mean, I wrote about this in one of my essays recently, which is, you know, thoughts really only come from a few sources. And I think consciousness is just an awareness of your own thoughts. There's this idea that right. meditation is supposed to still the mind. Huh. No, not, not, not really. It's supposed to, you're supposed to put you at the center so you can observe your mind. Right. Um, or this idea of healing. Well, I'm healed. I need to be healed. Well, we're evolutionary creatures. We don't heal. We integrate. Right. Um, and I just, it feels like, it feels like there's, um, there's an entire industry or business model around the idea that there's something wrong with you and it needs to be fixed or you're going to be sad and poor. Mm -hmm. um, and you see that creep into marketing messages all the time. You know, the classic term FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Um, so before I hit record, we were, I was talking about this new format. I was going to ask three questions. I haven't asked any of them. I, so I think <laughs> that's a success. But I do have one final question before I hit stop here, which is how does a... How, how, how do you, I was thinking about how to phrase this. So I'll use, I'll use the word consciousness. It could be a self-awareness, emotional intelligence, spiritual intelligence. It's all sort of the same thing. How do you work on yourself? Like you've talked about, how do you work on yourself while also being in the world as a human entrepreneur, partner, parent, you know, that type of thing. How do you do both? Because I think that's a big, big challenge for a lot of people that working on yourself and working on your own consciousness or self-awareness or wholeness or inner child or any of that stuff is what you do after you do all the work. So I'm curious about how, 
how you go about that, how and what you would recommend to people as far as like a starting point. So you used a really important word, um, which is integration, right? And so, so we have these experiences quite often, and then, and then we think that that experience is the thing, but it's really about integrating it into the world. So I am, I, I have a very um, hard and fast, for the most part, ritual in the morning, which is, it's a, it's a walk, it's journaling, it's meditation, um, and it's, it's some other kind of writing, whatever it is, whether it's, whether it's posting on, on my day well lived stuff or, or posting even on LinkedIn, my sort of thoughts of the day or writing whatever thoughts I have, um, some in some other, in some other form. But, you know, to me, it's, it's being super aware of, of who you actually are and, 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 and wanting to be aware of who you actually are and doing whatever work is necessary. So right now there's a huge boom in, or I should say just the science is supporting it in, you know, psychedelic therapies and using, you know, MDMA or, or psilocybin and microdosing and all of these kinds of things that create new neural pathways and all of that. If that is something that you want to explore in order to get yourself there, in order to work on yourself to the level that you're talking about, you have to decide that you want to be there. And that first conscious decision is like, okay, now what can I do? Do I need to go to, is it therapy? Is it, can I do this on my own? Is it a coaching thing? Is it, so, so for me, I always say to some of the people that I talk to, like you have all these tools at your disposal that we've, we've, we've given you and, and we've shown you. And if you can't use the tools, if you can't bring yourself to use them, then you have to ask yourself the question, what is keeping me from doing this and go to that. And so, you know, for me, when I went on my sort of biggest stretch in this journey that I'm on, it was hitting a wall one time too many and just going enough is enough is enough. I need to do something differently. And, and that's when for me, everything, everything changed. And I started to trust my voice more and challenge myself to put more of myself out in the, in the, and, and remove this sort of, I mean, I hate personal branding, you know, that um, I, I think it's this over curated bullshit thing. Um, so I started to remove myself from the brand and started to write all the things that I wanted to write. And I wanted to say, cause they were the things that I believed in in a de- in an effort to attract more of me and also and the more you do that the more you trust your you learn your your inner self is like oh i can trust myself to do this i'm not afraid of myself anymore so it's practice dude it's practice 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 you never perfect it right and you know again you're in the hall of fame if you hit 300 so you know or you know if you can shoot 50% from the three point line you're awesome like so it's just taking your shots and yeah. and practicing and practicing and missing and making and being like, Oh, that feels really good. And integrating more and more and more of it. And I remember 
when I started to kind of become more aware, I, I texted a friend and I said, so what do I do now? I said, I feel like I have this whole new lens, but the whole world is still with the same old operating system. And he's like, oh, that's called integration. And what you'll see over time is you'll be faced with a situation that you've been in a hundred times and you will respond to it differently than you did the other 99. And you'll be like, oh, and then you'll go to the next one and the next one and the next one. And before long, life looks a lot different. Yes. So my answer to my response to that too, is you made me think as you always do is, is this, this is kind of a, a working theory or working hypothesis, which is, I think the starting point for all of this stuff is creating because you can, if you're creating, that's evidence of some level of consciousness. You, you, it is contemplative to, to create. You have to go inward. You have to have vision. You have to, you have to, you, you know, and whatever it is, whatever medium. And then, then I think this is where the magic starts to come in, where you do get all that neurological rewiring and you get that spiritual prioritization and stuff. And I think four things come out of, if you just focus, as my younger son, Caden says, focus on the art. I'll paraphrase this. Focus on creating. Focus on creating. And if you do that, four things will emerge. One is boundaries. You'll start to have boundaries. Just like the, there's a there's an end to a song and a frame around a painting. Um, and then they'll have, then you'll have output. There'll be evidence that you did it. And if there is no evidence that you did it, you didn't create. <laughs> oh, and so you still have it there. That's so awesome. He's uh, Todd's holding up a awesome uh, painting that Caden did for him. I'll link to Caden's Instagram in the show notes. The the other two here is you see progress. I think that's where a lot of people quit when you talk about practice, practice, practice. Is if you're creating, there's progress. You can see yourself getting better. You can see yourself getting more consistent. And then finally, kind of looping way back, is you can measure value with what you're creating. Um, and I, I, that's why I think we we overthink consciousness. It's not about meditating two hours a day. It's about having some ritual that puts you in a centered place to go create, and then. To quote myself, when you got that figured out, all the rest of it works itself out. Yeah, and I would I would argue that that the 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 real magic in that, for me anyway, is ironically when you remove the audience as the audience and you're creating for yourself. That's right. And and then you you let them you let the audience decide what it is that you've done. And for them, and it's not your job to decide how they respond and react to it. And to your point about value, your value doesn't come from their reaction to it. Your value comes from the fact that you did it, which is why I've forever said that the most amazing thing I've ever seen is a solo acoustic guitar player in an empty room playing like they're at Carnegie Hall. That's right. Because their value to themselves is in their art and in that moment. And, you know, we have this, we have this need to apply this artist label to painters, musicians, writers, whatever. But artist is a, is a soul level thing. And if there's artists, you can have artistry in the accounting if that's how you, that's that's how you approach it. And as a, as a, 
bricklayer, if that's how you approach it. And, and we are all, to your point, you know, I, I think consciousness, maybe this is it, is that it's just finding, for me, it's, it's, it's honoring the artist. That's right. I think I love that as a final quote for this visit. Um, thanks, man. Thanks for doing this with me. I've loved every second of it. I appreciate it. It's good to reconnect. Stay healthy. Thanks.